Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Miami Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's been a little while. It has been. Um, We're excited to uh, dive back into talking about some football. We will obviously be talking about... Um, just kind of the late, you know, since we haven't done one of these in a while, kind of all the updates that have kind of happened in the the coronavirus realm where um, I don't think we have like an, any official like return dates or anything yet for Miami, but we're clearly moving in the direction where there are going to be more and more guys um, on campus in the next couple of weeks, back to workouts, back to maybe some team sanctioned stuff. Um, yeah. But we have to start off the top um, because it's, the only story in the world right now, which is crazy considering there's also a pandemic happening, but uh, the protests, the riots, and of course the the killing of George Floyd and the outpouring it has created across all different communities. Um, it is, I don't think I, I specifically tweet anything out myself about it because it, it, felt, it feels like the kind of thing where, I don't know, I'm bad at Twitter, so I wanted to wait until we kind of like went on and can kind of like talk through our thoughts and all the things we've obviously been thinking. But it's important to talk about also because it's so important in the sports world, and it would be even if there were no sports. You know, we've obviously – I don't know if we see it as much in college where the athletes don't have as much power as they do in the professional ranks, but obviously, you know, LeBron James, you know, we're in like the I can't breathe shirt. Like it's, there's just – it's been so ingrained in sports pretty much for the last – well, forever, but really for the last five, six, seven years and since Black Lives Matter really uh, took off. And it one of the things that really, you know, obviously over the last two, three days when the, the protests have really kind of um, taken hold, obviously everyone has kind of put out their statement. Um, but I, I do think the Miami coaches were even a little bit more proactive than that. And I, I think it's worth noting because I – it. It's weird to like make a competition because, um, you know, it, it, there's an obvious right and a wrong side. I think to a lot of the stuff that it's, um, you know, weird to like be analyzing it from like a pundit perspective. But I, I think it matters, and it, it definitely matters to the players. And you can see it matter to the players the way that some of Miami's football coaches came out right away. I mean, Rhett Lashley was like one of the first coaches I saw anywhere, kind of uh, putting out a, a tweet or or a statement about it. And that, that was like Tuesday or what, like it was way before kind of, um, yeah. it, it became a massive, uh, series of protests, uh, that swept the country. And I, I, like I said, I think it matters to, I think it matters to the players. And I think you could see that with some of the, you know, quote tweets and, and stuff like that of him. And, and, um, you know, it just matters obviously in general to have someone who's, you know, pretty high profile speaking out so quickly. I agree, and Rhett Lashley is the one that really sticks out in my mind. Yeah. I know Manny Diaz is a coach, and he's always been outspoken and, and I think proactive, you know, on mo- most things. But Rhett Lashley, this seems to be uh, this Black Lives Matter, um, you know, even even before the, the George Floyd situation, um, he's, he has shown uh, how, how much he – you know how strong he is on that issue, and how how much he believes in in that and diversity, and how much it angers him. Uh, and I, you know, 
David, after uh, in February, and we didn't really know about it till this month, when we learned about Ahmad Arbery, you know, the mm-hmm. 25-year-old uh, black man who was running in in Georgia, and um, and and I think it was a father and son, right? If I or called a, yes, a, yeah, shot him and killed him, and it was just horrific. Okay, he was just jogging. Uh, he was jogging. And um, I, and at that point, Rhett Lashley, um, the Rhett Lashley was like way early. I, oh I yeah, like I a, forgot he did it even before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, in fact, I was taking a walk, and um, I, looking at my phone, of course, and I saw his tweet. Um, I run with Maud. You know, they had a they had the, a run where. Um, where people were, you know, in right. his honor, in his memory, the young man who was killed, uh, they were running or walking 2.23 miles. Um, and, and and Rhett Lashley posted on Twitter a picture of himself, a photo. I guess he had just run it. And he said, I run with Maud to stand against all racism, division, and disgusting acts of hate. Sadly, it's still very real in our country, and there is no place for it, exclamation mark. I'm not perfect, but enough is enough. God loves us equally, and we're all valuable parts of humanity. I pray we start acting like it. And um, I was kind of, actually, I was kind of um, shocked to see that because I didn't see any other coaches come out at that point. Mm -hmm. I mean, there might have been. I'm sure, I shouldn't say I'm sure, I don't know. But it just, he's the one that hit me, that it hit me. I know he was the first um coach but he was so strong and he just did it because you could tell he really believes it and he also was uh, you know he also he also tweeted uh um on may 26 i think that was tuesday last tuesday um that last tuesday he said no words do justice to what happened to george floyd it's a disgrace disgrace in all capital letters mm-hmm. it's thickening to the core. We need change. We all must realize every life is precious. This must stop. And then now, in all capital letters, and then he hashtagged, I can't breathe. And then he wrote, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. That's a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King um, Jr. And it's just, he's, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with him. I love the way he, he's, He's not scared, you know, to mm-hmm. say how he feels. I, I think a lot of coaches were probably very nervous about saying things, and then when they saw everybody else doing it, they did it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that they don't believe it, okay? I, I, I truly believe that. Come on. I, I, football coaches, I mean, let's hope that they, uh, they, they, they believe that black lives matter and all lives matter. But... Um, but anyway, I just thought that Rhett Lashley is kind of impressive, and then and then of course uh, Manny Diaz also wrote something about uh, Ed Hudak, the Coral Gables, uh, you know, the head of the Coral Gables Police Department, who spoke to UM. I'm, I'm assuming on Zoom. It wasn't in person. Yeah, I would assume so. Day, this past Friday. Um, about George Floyd, uh, and I thought that was kind of cool too. Um, that they had some kind of communication and discussion, um, and probably, 
and I'm pretty sure some of it was to to make sure that they they vent the players vent what they're feeling. I'm sure UM was a little nervous about players, you know, partaking yeah. partaking in something that might become violent or whatever. I don't know how many players did. So um, yeah. So uh, and now David, you see everybody. Blake James, the athletic director, came out with a statement about people being at the U, people being our greatest asset, and people are hurting, and, the, you know, we build champions in Miami, and that includes champions of equality, social justice, and civil rights. That was just part of a long speech. I'm sorry, a large statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, all, and, and the, it, uh, Blake Baker came out with a, with a strong statement. So, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting because I think that, you know, role, I think role models are, are needed kind of, uh, uh, and, um, at this point and, and there's really nobody better than some of the players and, um, you know, some of the coaches, I guess. Yeah. I think more than anything, it's just, it's the solidarity they want to feel because, um, you know, the Miami football team is overwhelmingly black and the coaching staff is uh, pretty white. And, you know, I think, I guess, there's I right. think it's only two black coaches on staff. There's there's a mix of, um, obviously, uh, Manny Diaz is, I guess, Cuban and um, right. Ephraim Bond, I'm not sure his nationality. But, you know, it's not a lot of black coaches actually on the staff, just uh, Rumpf and Hickson. Um, right. And... It is, you know, that's, I think it's important to talk about it on, you know, a lot of people might be like, why are we talking about this on a college football podcast? But like, we're both white. We both spend a lot of our time writing stories, making our livelihoods to a degree off of what, uh, you know, black college athletes are doing and what matters to them, you know, telling their stories and their stories can't be told without, um, without knowing these part, you know, knowing what sort of challenges they have faced for their entire lives. Um, you know, whether it's totally. something more serious, like you know, something like explicitly like they have had a, a run-in with the police, or, or have a family member who did, or even just like obviously the the subtler, um, you know, day-to-day racism um, that yeah, not so faces. subtle. Yeah, that's I, what I'm saying. I, the subtle and not so but, subtle. Yeah, I mean, I, to, I, you know, I totally agree with you. And I, I was telling my husband, I was saying, I, I, I just can't even imagine what it's like if, you know, because I have, uh, you know, I have a son that around that age, and you know, in in, in college or whatever, and I, uh, or college age, and I uh-huh. can't imagine what it would like, what it would be like to be a black mother having you know, having children of color, um, you know, that are, that you, you're so scared and worried about, uh, I would be worried all the time and having to warn them about all these things and how to behave and how not to be, it's horrible. You shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to think like that, you know? So I really, uh, I think it's really important that they're, they have dialogue about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I've seen, you know, one of the most, 
um, kind of striking, keeping it in the college sports world, one of like the most striking statements. I don't know if it was an interview or he put it on Twitter. I saw it aggregated, I think, on ESPN. But uh, Lavelle Moten, who is the head coach, head basketball coach at uh, North Carolina Central, which is an HBCU in uh, Durham, I believe. Uh, HBC historically black. Yeah, historically college. black college. Um, yep. In I think it's in Durham, and and he wrote a told a story about um, you know he was with Raymond Felton, you know national champion point guard for North Carolina, played in the NBA for I don't know ten years, something like that. Might he might even still be in the NBA, and basically you know told the story of them getting pulled over by cops and um, you know being you know roughed up because you know they're two black guys and they were mistaken for two black suspects and. You know, that's that's Ray, Raymond Felton, who is like probably one of them. I don't know if this was in North Carolina, but Raymond Felton is probably one of the more famous North Carolina athletes of the last 10 years. Like Lavelle right. Moten, obviously, is a, a college coach. I maybe also played at North Carolina. I can't remember for sure. I, I'm, I think he played at one of those uh, triangle area schools. Um, but so, you know, there are certain coaches, obviously, who have experienced this. There are certain people who have experienced this and, you know, Black, they're they're black people, and they can share their story. And, and as white people, obviously, what we have to do is understand. And obviously, that's the root of the the problem with everything is that some there is a segment of the population that either can't doesn't understand or is not willing to understand or doesn't want to understand or understands and doesn't care. And I think, yep. And I think the coaches. Um, I, I think the play, excuse me, the players, like you said, uh, you know, that's very important to them yeah. that they talk talk about that and that, you know, you know, players were st- sticking up. I know a lot of people on Twitter were saying, uh, you know, where are all the coaches, you know, that yeah. are, you know, that are that are saying things. Where are they? And and uh, you know, and you know, you and players are saying, no, my coach is my coach is there all the way, you know, my white right. coach. Yeah. So anyway, and, and I, and it's interesting because after Rhett Lashley tweeted, uh, that original tweet I told you about on May 8th, going all the way back about mm-hmm. the young, you know, the young man who was, who was killed while jogging. Um, coach Hickson, the running backs coach who's black said he re- he was the first one to reply and he put preach in all capital letters, preach with three exclamations. Um, and Coach Field was white. The tight end coach wrote, um, "Amen." So I- I'm wondering how many are a little. Maybe they're just personalities. They're not as much out there. But um, yeah, I think it's really important. And I really, um, Rhett Lashley has at least with those tweets has imp- has impressed me. Yeah, Lashley. He's actually a guy I would love to potentially talk. You know, we've kind of gotten coordinators sporadically and coaches and stuff um, because he doesn't seem, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of coaches might write out a, a statement or something and, you know, yep. and kind of be able to get all their thoughts in order there. But, but Red Lashley actually seems like someone who, like, if you asked him a question, he would give a thoughtful answer. Like, it's not just stuff he is putting out on Twitter, which is why I'd love to hear from him because he's not, you know, he's, you know, not the. <laughs> a stereotype but he's like from Arkansas he's like a white guy from Arkansas like that's not you don't expect him I, I don't know what kind of community he necessarily grew up in but like 
you know, you don't necessarily expect him to be the most outwardly vocal kind of guy, and he and he has been, I think, down here in South Florida, at least as far as, you know, like Brian Flores obviously had a good statement. Udonis Haslam has been incredible as a community leader. Um, yeah. And Anthony, I've talked about him a lot, of just a lot recently because he was so um, such a good leader during, you know, the early days of the coronavirus pandemic. Um what you know his future is could be as like a community leader in South Florida whenever he's done playing basketball. Um, but Rhett Lashley has been like you know I don't know if he's been out in the community, but at least he has been very outspoken and, and outspoken early on. Um, and running, I love that he ran. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, early on. Yep. Yep. Good guy. It's. I feel like we could keep talking about this for a long time and just keep processing through our thoughts because it was you know it's a was obviously uh it's a a, one of the most memorable you know we're in maybe the most memorable time of my lifetime and and this weekend was uh certainly like it was one of those days where it's hard to look away from twitter even when you want to you know what david you just can't believe and i guess i don't know this segues into what we're talking about next but it's like you just you just can't believe what's going on in the world I mean, I, I mean, you can you can believe it, but it's it's just like mind-boggling or something. It's crazy. I just you have, you have the the coronavirus pandemic, which is just you can't you just can't over you can't say how how big it is. Right. And and uh, you know what I mean. And and then you know that's like all that we've been reading about. All, I mean everything, and then this happens with George Floyd. Is just you know, just what, just uh, I don't know. It's it's everything is converging together. Yeah. Okay. I I mean the coronavirus. What's happening with the world? You know, racially and socially and all that stuff. And then the uh, I don't even. I'm not getting into politics, but let's just say that it's a screwed up world politically, okay, no matter where you stand. Right, it just feels like there's nothing that's going to get fixed. Like, it just feels like there's nothing that's going to get fixed. There's no desire to try to fix it. Right? There's so much, like, hate among people or whatever. There's so many different sides, and it's really very... uh, it's disconcerting, I guess. I don't know what it is. It's worse than that. And then, um, yeah, it's just like everything at once. That's all. That everything at once. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh. You mentioned obviously the that this all is happening in the midst of uh, a once in a generation pandemic, um, yeah. and it finally kind of started was starting to look like we were getting. I don't want to say normalcy because it was never going to be normal, but we were starting to get back to uh, some familiarity. Maybe um, you know it looks like Miami. You know who knows how these protests are going to potentially contribute to a, a second wave and a, and a spike in cases in the next little while here. Um, but it, for, as of now, it does seem like Miami is going to keep getting more and more guys on campus um, in the next little while here. Um, it basically said June, the NCAA, I think was saying June 8th is kind of the date that teams can start to maybe have um, like small team workouts Um you, you well, talked to a bunch of players. Parent, you checked in with a bunch of players' parents over the weekend, which is kind of why I, I wanted to talk about this today because it's just a little bit more insight of what what um, what kind of the next steps are going to be for Miami. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I, I wouldn't say. Yeah, and you you did say that normalcy or whatever isn't really the right word, uh, and I'm not even sure it's these protests that have anything to do with it. I think they're, you know, all these governments these local state governments or whatever are opening up um opening up uh the communities i guess right restaurants and things yeah. like that depending on where you live i think that's and, and there's definitely going to be a surge because of that and but still if there's going to be some kind of football or if there's going to be some kind of college other than i other than a zoom you know yeah you know, from a computer, from their homes, then they, then they're going to have to bring people back to campus. And boy, how they do it! I mean, yes, it is going to be soon. And UM keeps saying, even today, that they they're still working on the protocol or whatever they're going to do on the exact dates. You know, their exact plan. But you know, I did this story. Uh, if you recall, in March, I spoke to several parents um, of football players about their about their about what it was like. They had just they were just about to come home, or they had just gotten home um, when when they cleared the campus. When you uncleared the campus because of the coronavirus, and I did a big story then on you know their fears, the parents' fears, and families' fears, mm-hmm. and their and now I went back. This past week, last week, I went back and talked to many of the same parents, and it was really interesting. Um, the, the kids are, some of them already are back. Yeah. Uh, the kids that were rehabbing, David, or had surgeries, um, they, we knew that they were, they were allowed back, I guess, to do, to do some rehab and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and some of the other players, like I talked to, you know, Will Mallory's mom, um, and he he was he was going to leave uh, yesterday Sunday. Well, today is Monday. He was yeah on his way or back down here already, possibly. Yeah, he should be here already and from Jacksonville area. 
so he could throw around with the quarterbacks. Um, so obviously, quarterbacks, D.R. King, I think, I think he's here. Uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, they're, they're, the kids are coming back there. I, it's not quote-unquote mandatory, but you do get the feeling that the coaches are kind of guiding them. And I think, I mean, I like, obviously I've seen kind of like both sides of this argument where some people are like, we sh- shouldn't be necessarily using the college athletes as uh, like the uh, guinea pigs and like trying to get guys back on campus and all that. Um, right. But at the same time, these guys all want to be on campus and it's going to be oh, much. I don't think they're living just so, I, the campus. Yeah, they're not going to be in dorms, but be back around campus. Yeah, like yeah. Will Mallory has an yeah, right? mo- I think most of the team probably cool. lives off campus other than, you know, sort of the transfers a lot of times will be in dorms and, and freshmen. But I think most- the other kids are, and uh, Jeremiah Payton was in, is in a dorm. Yeah. But, but I think they're, and the dorms aren't technically open. I Yeah, but it just in terms, guys want to be able to be around and get into a weight room that they know around people they know, around people they trust. Um, yeah. Again, I am not sure, okay, about how they're going to do the weight rooms. They're going to – I've heard some things, but um, they're definitely going to do some social distancing, and um, uh, I I think they would love to get the guys – start getting the guys closer to campus now. Yeah. Not mandatory, but start getting them to head back to wherever they are and get settled and – get psychologically and then start throwing the ball around. Obviously, a lot of guys are already near campus just being at home also, which, yeah. which I, I think I, I don't remember if this was an episode we did together or – but I do remember pretty much saying, like, um, Miami's in, like, a weirdly or interestingly kind of, like, a better position to, like, start getting guys on campus because, what, 70% of the team lives in – like, is from Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, like, guys who could yeah. – drive down for the day if they're even if they're all the way up in in west palm or something yeah yeah and uh and again the other ones you know maybe some of the veterans and stuff i yeah i I definitely think they want to uh to start the receivers and quarterbacks to start throwing the ball around and get that rhythm run some routes and stuff however they do it uh by staying safe for whatever I they're going to do it anyway regardless uh, yeah. but I thought the coaches have not made it quote unquote mandatory that's the best I can say and they're getting you know they're getting closer but remember David we don't even <laughs> they said there's going to be a season but and I, I'm sure they said it I guess there'll be a season so what again what's it gonna what's it gonna look like we still don't we really don't know I mean I you know, the president, President Frank of UM, said that first he said he could see there being no fans at all, and then he said maybe there'll be a limited amount of fans and they'll be spread out. Um, but that's going to be really fascinating uh, to find out when they actually do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked, um, you know, last week I was covering the NHL story as they, like, were kind of starting to announce their return plans, and I liked a, a line that, Gary Bettman had, of all people, the commissioner, um, and he was like, you know, they didn't name, they didn't put a date, they didn't put a location, they didn't, you know, they just kind of outlined what the, like, what the games are going to look like, basically, the format, 
Um, and he had a line where he's basically like, uh, I can't tell you a a date because no one knows. Like, it's impossible to know. I would, I would be just guessing. And I think that's kind of the important thing that, um, you know, it sounds like we're maybe going to get like an NBA announcement this week too, of some sort. Um, yeah, you don't have to have the whole plan at once. You got, you just need to have an idea of what it's going to look like. So you have the outline of what you're going to do whenever, um, a season can start. So, um, you need to be able to pivot basically. Like maybe, maybe that we will be able to have fans in the building somehow. Um, but maybe maybe we won't. Um, but either way, like you need to know what those two scenarios are going to look like. And that's obviously what a lot of, of the time hopefully is being spent on right now. Um, is basically like working through multiple scenarios. Yeah, and I think the safety, I mean, I mean, for colleges, it's really complicated. Yes, yeah. I I think it's way more complicated. The pros, you know, they they can live, I mean. They're being compensated. Like, they're employees. They don't have to go to, yeah, right. Well, college, the players have to go to classes. How are they going to deal with that? It's so much bigger. How are they going to keep? How are they going to keep them safe? I, I mean, again, that's what the moms and dads told me. We're worried about, and I, and I don't blame them. I mean, I, how do you? I mean, they're on top of each other. They are. So uh, they touch the same things, and no matter how much they say in the beginning, they're going to be so careful and they're going to clean all the whatever. I'm not talking about you and anybody. It's like I go out and. I, Somehow everything seems to get more lax. You know what I mean? Yeah. As you get, nobody thinks they're ever going to get it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of talking in circles, but if there's so much unknown and so and testing, and I are they all going to get tested? I'm sure they're all going to get tested, but how often? Yeah, you and know, the NCAA what? isn't going to mandate a policy because they can't. It's going to have to be up to the teams or, or maybe the conferences uh, individually yeah. to have okay. a policy in place. What happens when somebody gets sick? And all? I mean, that's there's just so much, so much that we do not know still. Um, you know, and are we going to be able to cover the team? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I can't even imagine us having access. Can you? Uh, probably not. Definitely not in any uh, normal, totally normal like, capacity. Like I said, maybe we'll be all be in the uh, press conference room every day, all spread out and six feet away. You know, no one in the first row away from the coaches and the players who come in. And could be that, or maybe they it's on the phone, or maybe it's nobody. We get nobody. I don't know. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens. But it is getting closer. And Manny Diaz said that they do need. I think was it four weeks or six weeks. Yeah, I think they said six, basically. But it depends. Like, if they can start doing workouts, like, next week, then it that, that might count toward, uh, like, some of that six weeks. Like, it's not a hard six weeks. It's basically, like, that's kind of what they're shooting for. Right, right, right. Well, And obviously, uh, they're going to do whatever they can, right? Like, if they, ha- if they only get four weeks, they're going to make it work, right? Because they got to. They want to. Yeah, hopefully we get some uh, real, like, football kind of stuff to, like, write about in the next week. But, um, I don't know. It feels like the world is changing every day, right? So, um, who knows what, who 
by the time we post that we're recording this on a uh, Monday afternoon, by the time we post this on Tuesday, maybe uh, something will oh. have totally changed. <laughs> tonight or something. And by the time you listen to this on Wednesday, it'll have changed again. Like <laughs> In a half an hour, they're going to come out with some more news. And, yeah. and, and I have to say that the, the, I, I read something today also that UM put out that was really interesting um, about uh, their sports psychologist is, go, is going to have to deal with a lot of issues and a lot of you know student-athletes who are who are worried, uh, who, whose lives have changed. I mean, some of the ones I talked to, um, you know, Mike Carley's mom and dad, uh, they're wonderful people. They're great. Uh-huh. But they're struggling. They have eight children, eight children. And I, the youngest is six, and Mike is the oldest. I think he's 22. Um, can you imagine? Eight children that, are, that were home during the pandemic. Um, and... Yeah. <laughs> on a mouth to feed, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, I'm sure Mike Harley is excited to get out of the house. Yeah. And 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 and, and his mom is a hairdresser and she she um you know, she obviously so she lost all her client, clients pretty much yeah. and uh, all of them and the dad who had a full time a great job and he's cut to I think twelve hours a week. Yeah. And one of the lucky ones. Most of the people in this company were, were laid off, but twelve hours. Come on, and you've got eight kids, and and the, and the mom's not working. I mean, they're struggling. So yeah. I think there's there are going to be kids with maybe a lot on their mind, or maybe just because they are younger and they're so into football, they'll just uh, you know put their blinders on, and it'll just be football. But I think the sports psychologist said he's ready. You know, he's going to be kind of ready to deal with a lot of these issues. Yeah, and who know? I don't know when they like yeah necessarily talk to him, but obviously it's a whole other uh, set of things to be thinking about with the um, the protests and everything. Like it's there. There's two two of the biggest stories of our lives that sort of have nothing to do with each other are happening simultaneously, which is uh, pretty crazy. All right, I think we can uh, wrap things up there unless you got anything else you want to talk about. Um, no, I think that's that's good. You know, there'll be more news yeah. after we hang up, so. Yeah, <laughs> maybe uh, it's been a busy recruiting season for Miami. Um, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll touch on that next week or in the next couple of weeks here um, because we haven't talked too much about it other than I, I did an episode talking about the Isaiah Walker edition, which is sort of recruiting, sort of transfer stuff but um yeah i mean they, they just keep getting commits and a lot of local kids and um and it's gonna be a weird fall because of how many kids are already committed across the country like we could see a huge decommitment season also um no they're yeah. saying miami is expecting to have a lot of kids decommit but just across the country uh these recruiting classes are not going to stay the same i feel pretty confident about that um all right uh-huh. you can follow susan on twitter at s miller degnan um She's covering all things Miami football these days as we ramp back up uh, toward, like I said, familiarity maybe. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2, um, covering everything. So thanks, as yep. always, for listening, guys. Um, yeah, what do you got? No, you're covering everything. You said you cover everything. You're covering everything. Covering everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep.
We got the uh, MLB draft coming up. Actually, I don't think I'm doing too much on that. I think Jordan's mostly hand on that. NBA, hopefully, getting an announcement this week. So Anthony Chang and I will be back uh, later in the week to talk about whatever gets announced, which we feel kind of feels kind of inevitable. So uh, thanks as always for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Take care, everyone.